all right, there are texts that are out there that these are no-nos. These are not Christian. I'll say that. If you want to read them and you believe in them, that's on you. But that's not, that wouldn't be traditionally Christian. This isn't what Christ taught. This isn't what the apostles taught. It doesn't line up with that. So not, you know, everything was made to be uh, read and believed. But I, I don't understand this mindset where people are scared to read things. Like I've seen it on social media a lot. Like, you know, I don't know. I've heard of them. I was just scared to read them. And it's like, well, why can't you read and not entertain? Like read and not subscribe to it. Welcome to Acts 2 and 42. Real discussions, real opinions, real stories and testimonies, real church talk. Welcome to Acts 2 and 42. Hold and release, I'm back. <laughs> All right. More like hold. We don't need when I, when I, <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, for some reason, when I go live, it opens up another window without telling me where the video starts playing. And then once it starts playing, it's on a delay. So then I start hearing myself again and then I have to find what window it's in. And yeah, so is that you Lord <laughs> <laughs> speak Lord, your servant hears you. <laughs> uh, um, where was I before I interrupted myself? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But today, you know, we do want to get back to that and we will, um, want to put together a nice chart for the antichrist and everything, but, um, to help you study like a study guide or something. But, um, but today we want to dive into the lost books. Okay. So the quote unquote, you know, lost books. Um, and I, I kind of do that because some probably are in fact lost, you know, there's some that are referenced in the Bible that, uh, we don't have, mm -hmm. but many, many books are available now on Amazon. You know, whether or not they're the same exact book referenced or that's that's a whole other issue. But very little is lost now. You can buy it. You can read it. And um, so we want to talk about that. We want to talk about, you know, there's a wide variety and it is a complex subject that, you know, I'll say for myself, uh, full disclaimer, you know, there's plenty that we still don't know. There's plenty that, you know, this is not exhaustive or definitive and this is a fact and anyone that comes with that tone with, from that angle really hasn't looked into it I, I don't think you can look into it and be uh so assured and so confident that this is good that's bad this is not inspired <laughs> and just you know willy-nilly you know because um, i think everything should be taken with a grain of salt and um you know so anyway but we want to dive into you know just this, this, it's a modern discussion. You know, it's like, there's a, there's a, a more recent discussion than say the last two generations, you probably never even heard of these things. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a reason why, and there's believers bring it up and unbelievers bring it up. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about um, discoveries through time and, and, you know, why some books were counted as inspired and why others weren't. Um, so anyway, um, Sheree, you hate going first, you hate, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to, as a good friend, coach, I am a husband, but I would do what a coach would do, which is uh, nudge you um, to develop being comfortable in that. Um, but I do, I do want you to kick it off, like just from a conversational standpoint, I know you're not the, the theologian or the scholar looking at different manuscripts, uh, but conversationally, you've talked to and talked about these things. You've talked to different people. And uh, 
And I don't know, uh, from believers and or unbelievers, there's a conversation about what about these books? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what kind of conversations are you having? You know, what do you think is important to address? Well, um, from one, I think it's important to address the importance of the books. Um, because I know people that have questions and because their pastors or leaders or I don't know, brothers and sisters in Christ could not answer them. They have left their congregation or they've left the faith or whatever in general, mm -hmm. because they felt like these questions weren't being answered. And at the same time, they're reading all these different scriptures and all these different books that's answering questions or they believe has been answering questions that they have had. Right. Um, so that leads them down all different kinds of avenues outside of God or all different kinds of uh, belief systems that they think is God, but are not. Um, so I think it's important for us to have these conversations and for us to answer these questions that people may have about set scriptures and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And these are like, you mentioned, you know, believers mm -hmm. that lose confidence in their church and their leader and possibly their faith, mm -hmm. you know, because the person who's supposed to be guiding them doesn't have answers and or doesn't have interest in those answers, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's a responsibility that, you know, to some degree, all of us bear is, um, you know, let's, let's turn off the uh, reality TV or, or entertainment, whatever that may be. And what's wrong with spending some time learning about something, you know, reading up on it, you know, listen to scholars talk about, you know, this is good or this is bad and just being uh, a little bit aware, you know, just a little bit aware. Mm -hmm. And I know it can, you can kind of get in the weeds, but um, to be fair, like I said, I don't know if I said this all fair, but the generations before us probably never heard of a lot of this stuff. So they, they no. kind of have a little bit of an excuse um, because discoveries were just being made and the internet wasn't out yet. So information wasn't as, you know, uh, easily accessible, you know, as it is now, we can find these things, whether it's Amazon or a PDF, you can find in 10 seconds, uh, Google mm -hmm. search, you know, book Enoch PDF, bam, download mm -hmm. and start reading. Um, so it's a little bit out of their depth, you know, just as a person, uh, in this, in this new time, but, but nonetheless, like for you and me, it doesn't take a whole lot, you know, do a search on YouTube and find scholars, you know, talking about these things and at least know I, what, what we know about them. You know, whether it's good or bad, whether it's critical or whether it's supportive, whatever. Um, but we, we could be losing people. You know, we have, I know churches have lost people. I don't know if the mm -hmm. body has lost people. Um, I would say some, you know, at least, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, believers are going to have questions. I, I just heard a believer the other day talking to someone else and, you know, they brought up this belief and, you know, to this brother's credit, he says, well, I'm not sure about that because I don't see that in the Bible. And then they bring up the lost books. Well, there's lost book, and it. I don't know how you guys feel, but when someone says lost books, I already know you probably don't know as much <laughs> as you think you do. It's it's yeah. it's like a novice term, right? Mm -hmm. It really is. I mean, you say lost books, you're kind of showing a little bit of your ignorance because there's a plethora of extra biblical text, things that are that coincide or are relative to the Bible, but aren't included in it. You know, whether whether they're good or bad, but they're relative to it, just not in it. And almost none of them are lost. So anyway, um, you know, it's, it is kind of a novice term, but then they start quoting, you know, things that we'll, we'll get into a little bit, but um, things from uh, 
actual proven bad texts mm-hmm. that are more based on the, the belief of Gnosticism and Gnostic doctrines. Um, anyone want to give an overview of that? Like what to be weary of if, you, if you're reading something and you find something, how to know it's Gnostic? I mean, I can pull it up too. Well, can you tell them what Gnostic is? That's what I mean. <laughs> oh, oh. Take. I know that Gnostics were more concerned with quote wisdom, mm-hmm. um, with knowing things, not seeming to know, um, right? Than they were with validity and authenticity. So um, the Gnostics they they clung more to books like um, the Wisdom of Adam and Eve, or the, the Book of Adam and Eve, the Conflict of Adam and Eve with Satan, um, the Epistle of Barnabas, which is separate from or excuse me they they clung more to the gospel of barnabas which is separate from the epistle of barnabas um i think the revelation of peter there's different books that they 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 would accept it all because it was all under the under um not knowledge they cared more about knowledge so if it was something that they considered knowledgeable then they would they would accept that regardless of how um, damning the information within it was or how conflicting the information within it was. Right. And I, I've pulled it up just on, you know, Wikipedia. I think the only thing that I would add is that's their source of, you know, salvation and divinity is mm-hmm. through this. It's like um, when Oprah talked about the, uh, the Christ consciousness, you know, this is a, a secular spinoff of Gnosticism mm-hmm. that, it wasn't really about the man, the son of man or the son of God, you know, Christ Jesus. It was about that. Well, you know, biblically we call it anointing, but that divinity that was revealed in him through consciousness and, and wisdom and knowledge. So it's like, if you can tap into that, which is a lot of the, the mystery schools, you know, the mystery religions are knowledge based. Like there's a certain level of knowledge, five percenters. It's, it's knowledge, you know, knowledge mm-hmm. makes you a God, makes you, this mm-hmm. is all, kind of spinoffs or branches of the same belief that's you know ancient you know so anyway good uh, lord that's so crazy like they said satan uh the serpent i would say is from the beginning mm -hmm. that same god blessed trick like it's still working today you can be a god you can Mm -hmm. be wise you should know what he knows you'll know what he knows like you know oh my gosh that's so crazy right and you're right, like T, you said this, but you know, Gnostic means having knowledge. The root Greek word, Greek, Greek, the root word of it, the Greek, the root word of the Greek is having knowledge. It's a collection of religious ideas and systems which originated in the first century AD amongst Jewish and early Christian sects. You know, side note, we can later on, we can get into Kabbalah and chakras and all that, but just mm-hmm. because it came from Judaism, they were into all kinds of witchcraft and all types of dark stuff. So Mm -hmm. just because it came from Jews doesn't validate it just because even some of the texts we'll deal with just because they came from, came from Jews, like the Talmud came from Jews. We've already dealt with that. That was just their made up beliefs and traditions that they claim, you know, they have claims, but these various groups uh, emphasize personal spiritual knowledge or gnosis above the Orthodox teachings, traditions, and authority of traditional religious institutions, viewing material existence as flawed or evil, Gnostic, there's a word, cosmogony is a, cosmogony is a model concerning the origin of either the cosmos or the universe. Okay. So Gnostic 
the Gnostic view of the origin, right, of the origin mm -hmm. of the universe, generally presents a distinction between a supreme hidden God and a malevolent lesser divinity, sometimes associated with Yahweh uh, of the Old Testament, the Lord, who is responsible for creating the material universe. Gnostics considered the principal element of salvation to be direct knowledge of the, the supreme divinity in the form of mystical or esoteric insight. Mm. So their salvation, the principal element of their salvation was knowledge, right? Knowledge mm -hmm. of the supreme divinity. Many Gnostic texts deal in concepts of sin or repentance, but with illusion, but with illusion and enlightenment. Um, I wonder if it gives any examples of Gnostic texts. Apocryphon of John. Um, was that a, I feel like that had a similar, like Satan war in heaven narrative as uh, one of the Adam and Eve's and Satan. I can't remember. I could be wrong now. I don't, I don't know why I'm thinking that. I'm but. pretty sure that I think that um, when you, when you look into uh, the origins of the war in heaven narrative, I believe it's referenced in the book of Adam and Eve or the conflict of Adam and Eve with Satan, one of them. Um, and I believe the Apocryphon of John is the other book, quote book that they refer to as being one of the origins of the narrative. So let's get back. Um, sorry, I didn't change my screen again. So it's really important, and we'll we'll deal with this more. But you know, to touch on, all right, there are texts that are out there that these are no nos. These are not Christian. I'll say that. If you want to read them and you believe in them, that's on you. But that's not that wouldn't be traditionally Christian. This isn't what Christ taught. This isn't what the apostles taught. It doesn't line up with that. So not, you know, everything was made to be uh, read and believed. But I, I don't understand this mindset where people are scared to read things. Like I've seen it on social media a lot. Like, you know, I don't know. I've heard of them. I was just scared to read them. And it's like, well, why can't you? read and not entertain like read and not subscribe to it but just are we are we glitching or is it just on my end just on your end okay it's just me we good on my end uh you know, i got that wi-fi on that you know my connection is good over here <laughs> anyway <laughs> so so i don't There's, know there is I mean, a quote though that it's the mark of an intelligent mind to be able to entertain a thought without having to accept it Right. So at bare minimum, we should be able to entertain thoughts. And, and that's even with just conversation. We should be able to understand or listen to understand why other people feel the way they feel without necessarily accepting, you know, so even with the with the with scripture and with um, texts that are either just extra biblical, whatever that means to you or that are outright erroneous, you should be able to read it without having to accept it because you've read it. Mm -hmm. Sheree, have you come across anything that, um, that has set you back? Like, wait a minute, I'm not sure about that. I think it was the book of Mary or something like that. I came across once. God, I think it's the book of Mary or something with Mary. It was like the gospel of Mary or something like that. Right, the gospel. And this was before I knew about Gnostic stuff. Like I came across this or whatever. And I'm just like, huh. I mean, in there it said that, you know, like she was basically like, Peter was never it. She was it in a nutshell. Like, you know, she was supposed to be the one to carry the torch or whatever. You know, I could, 
I could be confusing it, but I, could, I swear that's the one that that was saying it, you know. And I was just like, "What in the world?" So that one, that one set me back. I think. But you knew, like, wait a minute, I'm not sure about this. Yeah, yeah, right, right off right. the bat, because it was stuff in it. I'm just like, which, which book is it that said that Jesus uh, killed a kid when he was young? Killed a kid and brought uh, him back. Oh man, was that in there? I can't remember. It, it's I do remember Mary, reading that. Or Thomas, or one of them. As the Gospel of Thomas, I believe. Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. it's Thomas. And it's like so when you read that, like, or Barnabas, hold on, it might be Barnabas, wait a minute. Though. It, it might be the Gospel of Barnabas. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one, but I believe it's either Thomas or Barnabas. Right. So it's like if you read that, I thought it was without sin. <laughs> yeah. Not like you reconciled sin. You didn't mm-hmm. commit sin. So mm-hmm. like bringing him back to life would have could have reconciled it, mm-hmm. but you it still killed. Well, he was tempted in all things. Mm-hmm. So he was tempted to let him stay dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was without sin because he brought him back. Like, nah. Yeah, yeah, he brought him back. Yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, just a couple examples. I was wondering, because I know Shrey, you've you've read a few, and I was just wondering if anything set you back um a little bit. But I know there's things that you should read like that that should be blatant. Like, wait a minute, what am I reading? This this should mm-hmm. be this shouldn't even be taken with a grain of salt. This should just be like, yeah. okay, this is something else. Now I can yeah. tell <laughs> this is something else. Now, yeah. if there's just something where the phrasing is different or there's slight, slight variance that there's a certain level that that's that's normal with mm-hmm. any oral or textual you know written tradition there's a certain variance that's gonna happen uh matt when i was talking about the town and mentioned the telephone game you know with oral tradition yeah if i tell you to tell them and they tell them there's gonna be some differences mm-hmm. um i think if you were telling someone the word of the lord i think there'd be a little bit more priority than say hey you know i want to turkey sub with pickles and lettuce and mayonnaise and it's like someone forgot one of the ingredients because it was just a sandwich you know, you know it's going to be a different priority passing along the word of the lord or, or trans translating or transmitting the word of the lord um but i think some is still normal variants where you know the gospel of mary or the gospel of thomas is blatant false teaching it's it's contradicting it's not just different it's contradicting. Um, so I think there's easy ways for the average person to read and tell, wait a minute, what I'm reading here is not only not in the Bible, which is a personal criteria for me, that I think that everything that I believe is somewhere in the Bible to some extent. Um, that contradicts the Bible. No, no, no. Can't do that. So, and I know, Sheree, like you'll, you'll bring me something from Joshua Jubilees or something. And I know I frustrate you. You know, we know this, I'm just, right? I'm just waiting for you to come into the knowledge of the rest. That's what happened with a couple things, you right. know? But, you know, so you bring me something and, then, you know, what do I ask you? I mean, is that, where do we, where do we find that? You know, is that, is that elsewhere in scripture? Is that, you know, um, I don't know. And if not, we have to take it with a grain of salt, you know, cause I, I don't know. Um, Even with that though, um, because you're more, studious and you know consider it because you actually are looking while you're reading at okay is this an eisegesis or actual eisegesis am i actually is what i'm interpreting the text to me what the text actually means versus Mm -hmm. am i reading into it you know that's something that should be considered because you can have that criteria to where it's like all right well does the bible say this but i've met many people who will say well the bible doesn't say that because you've interpreted what the scripture actually says to be something different than what it's actually saying. True. 
like you know, sons of God, you have for to example. Be careful with yeah. if yeah. what I'm if, is what I'm reading saying what I think it says, but does it actually say that, or am I interpreting that wrong? And does what I'm comparing it to say what I think it says, or do I need to go back and read that? And it's like with um, I beheld Satan as lightning fall mm -hmm. from heaven. Many read into that something different than what the what the scripture is actually saying. Mm -hmm. So when you go back and look at what the scripture is actually saying, you see, oh, well, that's not even mm -hmm. what I thought it meant. Right. You know, so we should be very critical um, to make sure that we're not interpreting a text versus actually reading it uh, or we're not reading into a text. Right. You know, versus actually reading it according to what the context of that text is. Right. Yeah. And that's a common mistake of why, like, that you're given that people dismiss you know you know enoch or, or whatever um because like you said sons of god like how they interpret sons of god or how they were taught you know mm -hmm. genesis 6 you know um you know what the uh, context is so they automatically dismiss you know um when you don't have to go to enoch or or book of the giants Dead Sea scrolls to get that interpretation it's right in the bible Mm -hmm. And it's backed up by multiple scriptures in the Bible. Yeah. You can teach it front to back in the Bible. Is there some challenges? A little bit, not much, not compared to any other doctrine. <laughs> there's always some challenges where it could go this, the rapture or something. You know, there's always uh, scriptures or ideas that can be challenging to, a, to, a, to an interpretation, to, a, you know, proper or not. But anyway, um, but the other one is like where, you know, Joshua gives more detail in the life of Abraham or the life of Enoch or the life of, you know, whatever details about Nimrod or whoever that aren't necessarily in the Bible. And it's like, all right, well, are these details true? Um, are they beneficial? Uh, you know, um, did they contradict? But I take it with a grain of salt because, and I don't, I don't really want to get into Joshua, but um, because scholastically, you know, I think it's, there's a little bit of consensus that it's not a bad text. You know, that's why, you know, the title of this was like good or bad. Is it, is it these lost books? Are they good? You know, and there's books that are good that aren't necessarily inspired. And I don't know that it was ever counted as inspired. I don't think, you know, Josephus, for example, counted um, the Apocrypha, the Old Testament, you know, Maccabees and whatnot um, as inspired, but as history that was recorded by the Jews, you know, which is why some Bibles included it as an, as a, an appendix to the Bible, but not included in. Um, so, so my approach, I, I don't know if it's, it's different than yours, uh, your guys, but, you know, I don't put, you know, this detail about Abraham and Joshua equal to, you know, what's found in Genesis 19 or Genesis 8, 18, 19 or wherever it is. You know, I, I wouldn't mash those together and say doctrine. I would different. say it's something to consider. <laughs> yeah. What do you say? I'm a little different. Yeah. Um, only because what I see even in the scriptures, like in the 66 books, I have questions with some of that as well. You know, um, I mentioned before, like the end of John, I believe the last paragraph where it's known that's, that's not inspired. That mm -hmm. wasn't something written by one of the apostles, you know, but it's in there and we'll look at the 66 to say, see, that's inspired and judge other things um, off of that, but have a chapter in there 
or not a chapter, excuse me, um, a paragraph in there that is a Christian interpolation. You know, there's something that a Christian added later on and have no problem with that, consider that inspired. But I also look at books like, uh, oh God, not Ecclesiastes. I think Ecclesiastes is good. Um, but the wisdom, no, the, the prayer of Manasseh. I look at that and it's like, man, if that's not inspired, mm-hmm. I don't know what is, you know, like, and not only is it, is it good? Not only is it not bad, because it's something can be not bad, but also not be good. You know, something can be neutral. Right. Um, but right. in this case, not only is it not bad, I don't think it's neutral. I think it's edifying, you know, um, and what can edify the Christian outside of what is inspired, you know? Um, and then you have a man who is recounting not only his sin, but the grace of the Lord, you know, and in that whole thing, it magnifies the repentance and the forgiveness that's to come, you know, to the point where you have a man saying, now I bow near my heart, beseeching mm-hmm. you of grace. And as I read it, I'm, it's moving everything within me, you know? Um, so things like that, I consider personally, I would consider inspired, um, without considering all things extra biblical as inspired and without saying that every word found and even, you know, like the King James is inspired because we've talked about it before. I don't think that the translation, which gave us um, Easter, I don't think that that was inspired. I think the original text Mm -hmm. where they came from was, you know, which mentions Pasha or Passover. I think that's inspired. But there, there's a lot of nuances um, that keep me from saying the King James Version is the inspired word of God. Um, and that also keep me from saying that books like the Prayer of Manassas isn't inspired or that even certain fragments of Enoch aren't inspired. Right. I, I you know, think I agree. You have references like the uh, where the Bible references, or excuse me, there are authors in the scriptures that reference other books, like the book of the wars of the Lord, um, that actually reference the book of Joshua, you know? Um, so, and even with Enoch, there are many references from the scriptures of Enoch that are in there or from, um, Maccabees, second Maccabees, you know, that in, and seeing them reference this, it makes me wonder, did they reference it because it was, quote, good? Or did they, did they reference it because they believed that whatever fragment they had was actually inspired? Right. Yeah, and, and you know, for the, uh, for the listener, we're going to kind of uh, do a follow-up, uh, uh, part two to this, uh, for the sake of time, because there's a lot to discuss here, but... And in part two, I do want to go over some of the some of those passages you mentioned, you know, whether it's, you know, jo- the book of Joshua, the book of the wars of the Lord and the, the other prophets being mentioned. Um, oh, my fault. I just pos- went on. A, went on a no, no, you're good. Like, because they're 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 um, it's relevant. It's necessary for the conversation. But as far as like actually opening them up, sharing screen, you know, gotcha. looking at these things um, and kind of because that's what I see is I, li- I see a lot of foreign against. That doesn't slow down to actually, like I said, I watched someone criticizing uh, Enoch references and comparing it to the Dead Sea Scrolls and saying, well, the Dead Sea Scrolls Enoch is not the same as the Enoch we have, but never showed that. 
Like you don't look at the passage. Is it just phraseology or is it altogether different? Mm -hmm. You know, because like I like I told you before we started, you know, whether and I think on here, whether it's yeah, I did uh, whether it's oral tradition or written tradition, I think there's there's bound to be some variances, especially when you're translating different languages. There's going to be a reasonable amount of variances. And then you have interpolation. Then you have marginal notes that people would make margins and the translators would write it in. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a bunch of things that have happened over time that, you know, scholars will, will analyze, you know, all the different manuscripts and say, this is what this seems to be. You mm -hmm. can kind of tell from, uh, um, uh, man, like the, the translators process, the scribe, you know, process of translating text. Well, this, this appears here, but not here. And it's like, looks like this was a marginal note or whatever. Yeah. There's different theories on why things appeared. Um, I don't think, I don't think much of it is nefarious, you know, it's like someone tried to corrupt the text or whatever, but, um, but nonetheless, so I think it's, it's, but I want to go through them. It's necessary to bring up, you know, the, the Jude and Peter quotes, you know, and things like mm -hmm. that, the Maccabee boys and things that you brought to my attention. I had no idea what was referencing. I thought Hebrews was talking about something else, you know? <laughs> so in part two, I do actually want to go through, uh, a list of passages and uh, to consider and, and kind of, you know, let people get their eyes on it for themselves cool. rather than glossing over and saying things without giving the listener or the viewer due diligence mm -hmm. that they can, you know, get their eyes on it. But um, so I, I do have something else, you know, that I want to hit before, you know, before we get too far, but I guess a little bit of pushback in uh, maybe two or three things um, as far as inspiration, like, like for instance, Joshua, um, being inspired um or or even enoch you know we know that um enoch's prophecy was known we know that we have good reason to know that there was a book same thing with book of joshua there was a a book of joshua but we don't know that we have the book of mm -hmm. joshua we don't we don't know definitively and that's why mm -hmm. I don't, that's that's where the grain of salt for me comes from is we we know there was one referenced and we have good reason to think for and against there's yeah. there's valid points for there's also criticisms against even by proponents of them like i mentioned ken johnson mm -hmm. you know saying i he didn't consider these inspired but these are not bad and to be ignored if you come across something that is bad knowing and the next part we're probably going to get into a little bit of composition you know knowing that some of these are a composition the book of mm -hmm. enoch is a composition we can, you can tell that there's like five books that were pulled in yeah. together as one um, which is not abnormal. You know, the Jews have a different set of a different biblical list of books than our Old Testament, even though it's basically the same because they, they, they've made one book a composition of mm -hmm. all the minor prophets, you know, things like that. So um, it's not abnormal to make a composition, to take known scrolls and pull them together that were uh, relevant to each other or known to be associated, associated with each other. So I just... I think because of that little bit of uncertainty, and I think, for instance, with Joshua, I know it was known of at the time, I think Joshua and Jubilees, I can't remember, that, like I mentioned, even Josephus quoting, you know, to give us at least a, a first century perspective, Jewish perspective, whether right or wrong, um, that they, they, there was a known canon, you know, um, and then there was the other historical books that were known. Um, not necessarily Joshua, but I think he was referring to what we call the Apocrypha now, you know, mm -hmm. um, he, the books written after Malachi, you know, from, I forget how he worded it, but basically during that time period from Malachi to Jesus, you know, where you were deuterocanonical, you know, they came after the canon. 
Um, so these weren't dispelled. They weren't like, oh, this isn't inspired. This wasn't this. I think Maccabees, uh, or excuse me, uh, Manasseh, you know, should be read. And, and I think it is going to edify me. I shared it on the, the Acts 242 social stuff because that prayer is powerful, you know, but um, when it comes I don't even to- I think I ever read that. That's crazy. Oh, I, I know pimping. I shared it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you slipping on your pimping. I am. I don't even think I read that. Yes. I, he know about something before you. If I, I did, know, right? I and, and it's extra oh, biblical. Know, right? like, yeah. Jeez, he's stomping yeah. all in your playground. Yeah, it's heavy. And, and see, the reason is because I know it's like, I know there's, there's value in these things. So, you know, I don't want to use the excuse. Most people use the excuse. Like I'm still trying to conquer the 66. And it's like, well, why don't you try a little harder? <laughs> you know, why, don't, why don't we spend a little more time, you know, because let's not fool ourselves. We're not spending all our day reading the Bible now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have plenty of time, you know, and that's the first thing. Well, that's something that a lot of life coaches and mentors will show you how many hours a week you actually have. Where do they go? You have this many hours a week, you make this much money. Where do the like budgeting your time and your finances? You have the time and you have the money to do something. You just choose to spend it other other places, nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. So you have the time. So I don't want to hide behind that, but knowing that these things are valuable, I was like, you know, let me open up the apocrypha. You know, so I opened up, started reading Manessa. You know what I mean? Um, just knowing there's value there, you know. And I feel like that's why we see some of the quotes that we're going to get to in part two. That's why we see them. And I don't know that them quoting some of them is saying, well, they must have been inspired. They must have been mm-hmm. counted as inspired, but they were not ignored. They were still, mm-hmm. they were viewed as valuable and they were viewed as true. So they I think something valuable enough for those who we do consider inspired to quote them. Exactly. And that's, that's a huge vote of confidence, not necessarily a claim of inspiration, but a mm-hmm. vote of confidence that, that's trustworthy text. So like the story about the Maccabee boys, well, it doesn't have to be inspired by God to tell that story in order for it to be true. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, an apostle or whatever um, to quote and as an example of something and as an example of faith. And, it, you know, and it's like, so I think, I think inspiration is cool. I think there are some things in history that were counted as inspired from God and canonized, collected and confirmed for a reason. I think some things weren't for other reasons, but we don't have to have this all or nothing approach. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm a little bit more in the middle grain of salt, but I think that's a better still needful and still useful. If you have access to them, use them. What, what tool wouldn't you want to have on a job, even if it's not needful, mm-hmm. but it's helpful. <laughs> You know, I don't need this tool to do my job, but would it help? Absolutely. You know, and so anyway, so this all or nothing approach, and that's why I say good or bad, because I think I think many of these are good. Many of these. I think Joshua has good. Jubilees has good. Um, first Enoch def- definitely has good. I think some of them have bad as well. I mm-hmm. think because their compositions, because it's not because there's interpolate uh, interpolations, things added into the text after the fact. Um, but it's really shaky ground. It's it's a lot of this is scholastically, I'll say. Um, it's, it's really hard to prove anything. You know what I mean? Like Scholastica, otherwise it's really hard to prove anything because even if you have a great clear Josephus quote, that's just a point of reference. It's not, he's not infallible, you know, mm-hmm. um, Tertullian talking about the book of Enoch and angels. And I, I find some faults with his logic, you know, but I, but it's still a point of reference, you know, like he, he makes the assumption that Enoch, you know, could definitely have survived, you know, him being the, uh, Noah being the grandson of Enoch, 
you know, he would surely have gotten, well, that's still an assumption. It's a possible <laughs> route, but yeah. it could have survived yeah. the flood through Noah because he was told to preach these things and hand them down. And that's reasonable. It's not factual, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, so, um, I don't know, man. Um, there was something, anything else before we move on? I don't want to just brush past you guys, but. No, I think that's, um, I think, especially for people who aren't as, I don't want to, I, I, I will choose to say who aren't as learned, but not like condescending or as though I'm mm -hmm. on a pedestal, you know, um, but those who don't have the degree of knowledge that we have concerning the text, I would say that it's better for them to be uh, where you are than where I am, because like I would consider the prayer of Manessas as being inspired. But I think it would be better for most to just consider it as good reading, as something that is um, edifying, good to read, you know. So I think it would be best for most to be where you are. Yeah, and I, and I don't... Uh... Sheree, sorry. <laughs> I expect to blah, 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 blah. No, I agree, I agree <laughs> with T. I agree with T. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I was just going to say, I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess there is value in knowing what's quote inspired, but. But even then by what, like, what are we considering? Right. It's inspired? kind of subjective, right? I mean, yeah. other, and that's, that's the only, the only objective measure that I know of is history is knowing what was always counted. Mm -hmm which is not foolproof. And I did want to talk about canonization, you know, like where these collections came from and the idea and you kind of get into some messy territory, but um, you know, you do, you have this conversation. And so, you know, what are the standards and not that there aren't any, but now as a coming from where we are looking at them, a huge part is history for me. A huge part is the um, scholarly, you know, history and, and what we knew at what time was canonized and what wasn't, but obviously it was heavily debated in, in the first few centuries, you know, so there wasn't a consensus, at least not from the gate we have. Yeah. It's on the locals group. There's a list of different canons um, at different times, like what the first canons were, like what books were collected, what books were included in the new Testament text and what wasn't. Um, yeah. So if you want to know, uh, I don't know if it's Shepherd or Hermas or Hermas, um, but just different books. I mean, mm -hmm. Second Peter wasn't in this one, and yeah, it was it was a, a bunch of variations that some people thought things were canonized and not. And we're not going to be able to dive into it, but it's worth the discussion um, to know that there were people that tried to sit down. I, I, you know, we talked about before going on air today that the Holy Spirit inspired <laughs> men. You know, it's like I I, I kind of want to poke fun because I've been around councils of men that claim to be Holy spirit inspired. And if those <laughs> men were anything like these men, I don't care what you say is inspired, you know, yeah. but I, it wasn't it. Um, Ezra, you know, who, when the, around the time that, uh, like Nehemiah and Ezra, you know, the books of Nehemiah and Ezra, you know, we're talking about the, the temple being rebuilt, being restored, um, that he, that God aided him or, or helped him, collect the inspired text if you will the books back you know um because everything was yeah um needed to be restored i'll put it mm -hmm. like that so even the text um so i don't know 
I know that's that's something I've heard over time. It's not necessarily an argument, but the thought process behind, you know, how the Holy Spirit could guide men to canonize. Um, and I think that's possible. I don't think that's what happened, though. I think yeah. it's possible for, well, it's at least with, um, it wasn't the council, not see it. With one of the councils after Christ, I don't think that they were, I don't think it was a, a move of the Holy Ghost. Because I see where the Holy Ghost says, separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work that I have for them to do. You know, I don't think the Holy Ghost would have men sitting there um, debating which scriptures are which if the Holy Ghost is leading this. You know, if it's, if it's the Spirit of God, which is separating, quote, these books as being inspired. Um, but nonetheless, yeah. I do think that men did what they, the best they could. And try to debate, you know, why certain things should be added, why it shouldn't be added. Um, but considering that, I think it all goes back to inspiration. Because like, all right, well, how do we, by by what measure, like, what does inspiration mean, you know, to you? And I think there are a lot of people who hold the sixty-six books up, saying it's inspired, not even understanding what they're saying. Yeah, you don't even have a point of reference for why you even think it's inspired, other right. than it's in this book. And and even when the reformers. Uh you know, sola scriptura and, and, you know, talking about the only the scriptures. <laughs> right. And, but that yes. wasn't referring to translations necessarily. That was referring to the origin, the source of them. Mm -hmm. So the original was inspired by God, not a translation. And then, mm -hmm. but you know, you know, you have to, I don't want to use 50 cent words, but extrapolate, you have to expand that way of thinking yeah. to include translations in order to have this, uh, uh, unquestionable, unfallible, mm -hmm. inerrant, holy word of God, which is false, because then you have to have one only Bible that's right. And we've never, ever had that, which is a good thing. That's for another conversation, like we've, we said earlier, uh, talking about inerrancy and the word of God and things like that. That's definitely another conversation that we'd like to have um, to show you why, you know, but um, yeah, but that, that, that inspiration, according to most through time was the originals, you know, the source of them came from God, you know, mm -hmm. these holy men of God wrote as, as the spirit moved them, right. Or as the spirit spake, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so not the translators translated as the spirit moved them. They, they're, they're, they're not reading what's on the page. Together and compiled as the, as the spirit moved them. Right. Right. So, um, and. But that goes back to what we said earlier about reading into text. You know, because even many of us, I know I have before, read that scripture about, you know, the Holy Ghost moving, um, and the holy men of God wrote as they were inspired by the Holy Ghost. And you read that, and it's like, see, see, they wrote this as they were inspired. It's like, wait a minute, it wasn't talking about that. You know, it wasn't specifically saying that this book came to you because holy men of God wrote and assembled it as they were moved by the Holy right. Ghost, but rather right. the scriptures, you know, and their origin were written by men who were moved or by those who were moved by the Holy ghost. Right. <clears throat> um, you know, you know, one thing I know we're getting into canonization and this kind of fits in with that, but we didn't really cover is, you know, lost books, you know, the books that were taken out mm -hmm. and like that phraseology or, you know, what do you think when someone says, well, they took books out of the Bible. My first thought is, well, 
what Bible are you referring to? <laughs> because I think you should have a point of reference to make that statement. You know, if you could tell me it took books out, what Bible are you referring to? Show me the Bible, you know, that you're referring to. So we can look through those books, you know, and then have the conversation from there. But for the most part, when people make that statement, I don't think they have an idea. I don't think they there's, really there's, know. There's no what's next, you know. Yeah. It's just they took books out. Yeah. That's it's a good response. That I'm going to start saying it. It's Which something one? That they've gotten from, from what they've heard. You know, the term lost books is a very elementary term. It's, it's something that you say when you haven't even taken a look at the books. You know, we haven't really considered um, the older texts, you know, and, and compilations. When you haven't considered some of the things we've talked about, right. you'll say things like lost books. And another question is if they're lost books, how the heck do you know about them? <laughs> you know, if they're lost, outside of the Bible referencing, like uh, I believe it's the book of the wars of the Lord, and there, there are a couple others, but there are some of the Bible, in the Bible is referenced. Is it not in this book? And we don't have that book. You know, we don't have right. fragments of that left. So right. with those, yes, you can say they're lost, but the people who say lost books are never referring to those. Right. So it's like, you're not even referring to the things that you actually could refer to. When you're stating this, you're referring to things that were Gnostic, mm -hmm. to things that weren't included. So you say, well, take it out. Because you have this idea, there was one huge Bible where all of it was in there, and someone just started taking books out, you know, to give you this sixty-six. Right. Yeah, it's it's um, it's normally, to be fair, whenever someone says that, they're normally dealing with people that aren't really equipped to answer or respond mm -hmm. to it. They don't know anything more about them. So what are they going to say? Like, well, I don't know about that. And they're not. Most people aren't going to listen to some lost books theory, you know. Because what's wrong with the Bible? We got plenty there. We do. We got pl mm -hmm. there's there's plenty there to go off of. Um, so it's not like we're lacking, you know, at least not for face value. But but no, for those that know any better, like I said, I, me over here in a conversation, I'm like lost books. Okay. And that's my that's my immediate question is like, okay, well, taken out of what Bible and what books are you referring to? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're talking about the wars of the Lord, yeah, that's probably lost, you know, or um, there's a couple of them. There are translations of, I think, thanks to you, we have a copy of, I think the, maybe the works of Ken Johnson. I'm not sure. Um, one yeah, of the prophets, it, got it. one of the prophets that was named, and we don't know if that is the book, but it's a book mm -hmm. named by the same prophet that was mentioned. I can't remember which one. Um, not, I don't know if it was Nathan or another one, but anyway, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, taken out. Okay. The only thing I know that was that you could consider taken out is the Apocrypha. And it's not even a matter of it was taken out. It was a matter of the Catholics included it in the canon. So it's in the Catholic Bible as canon, as inspired text. It's in some of the Greek uh, canons, the Greek, uh, the Greek versions, mm -hmm. you know, a, a translation um, is one thing, which anyway, long story short, I'm not going to get into that. Um, but, you know, Codex Vaticanus, Codex BNLF, you know, Codex Sinaiticus, Codex Vaticanus. Um, some of the earliest, they believe, I don't think they are, but they believe they're the earliest known uh, codices or uh, about to go there. collections. About to bring my boy Constantine Simonides. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to, uh, what is it? A Lamp in the Dark? A, nerd. <laughs> a Lamp in the Dark, is that what it's called? Shut yes. up, Trey. Yes. <laughs> Says the nerd, <laughs> you know. Um, 
but yeah, Lamp in the Dark is is a great documentary series. Um, I don't know that. Yeah, it's got, I, there's some things I disagree with, but they do mm-hmm. they do a good job from my estimation um, dealing with this this matter. You know, as far as what the oldest known copies of the Bible are, and that seems to have relevance to a lot of scholars because hey, the oldest must be, be the most accurate, not necessarily. You know, mm-hmm. but okay, you know. But nonetheless, um, so, but as far as what's taken out, it was a matter of, you know, those compiling the English Bibles, making the decision whether or not to follow the Catholic tradition and count these as scripture, you know, um, and which some it's not included, you know, Geneva, I think the Geneva Bible doesn't have it. I think the, the, the first King James is 1611 had it, but I believe it was as, as an, uh, an appendix or some, you know, um, it, it actually had, it was prefaced that this is not scripture, but it, but it's good for reading, good for knowledge and understanding and history. Um, so nonetheless, it wasn't, wasn't really taken out. You know, it just, it was a matter of who, who counted as inspired and really other than the Catholics and the Codex Sinaiticus and, and Vaticanus, you, you would argue who put it in but other than them. So it's, it's really, uh, I don't want to say, ambiguous but it's really hard hard to determine um outside of that because i don't i don't know that the new testament canon list did it did it have old testament list as well or just the new testament i think it was just new testament i'm not sure um and even with the old testament there were there were different points of compilation because like you said you know ezra was one Mm -hmm. um and i believe the the um prologue for Ecclesiasticus, he's stating how, you know, he didn't say that God told him to do it, but he took it upon himself to compile all the writings. You know, mm-hmm. um, that way there would be one area where you could come and and look at all the scriptures and, and you know, and what God did, right. because there weren't, there wasn't one central book for a, a long time. You know, and even that just goes back to what you were saying about lost books. It's like, well, lost and taken out that that would imply compiled you know so i think you're referring to something that comes after instead of looking at before you know so what were these lost books before were they even considered before right um but to your question i don't i'm not sure if it was just the new testament uh, or the old but i know they did try multiple times to at least have a central location for the writings. I'm not even sure if it was compiled as being quote one book, or if it was just this is where the writings that we have, you know, we have, we brought together so that those who desire learning, desire to know what the Lord did, could come and read. Well, that's that's the um, the extent of what I could say was ever taken out. You know that I think to me. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like the only conversation we had is like whether or not the Apocrypha was included. Because other than that, you don't see any canons, any collections that include any other books. Whether or not they were read, quoted from, mm-hmm. referenced, and all these things, but there's there's no list of canons that ever includes anything else to say this was taken. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. wasn't taken. Um, maybe it was disregarded. Like, like maybe Enoch, for instance, it was well-read and known by the Jews. Is it in the list of canon? No. You know, was it read? 
Yeah. Do we have reason to believe that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what did the early Christians read it? Yeah. You know, was it later disregarded, you know, discredited? Yes. That's not lost though. You know, it was not taken out or lost. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's, um, I'm not trying to you know, be technical or word games, but when you say something is taken out, like you're making a claim that it was in yeah. and that someone decided to remove it. But even and, then, like if someone could point to, let's say like the Ethiopian text or the Septuagint and say, see, look, we find these books here. They're not here. At least you have a starting point there, you know, a point of reference there. But for the most part, the people who say that don't have a point of reference. They're not even going to reference the, the Ethiopian canon and say, well, look, we have Enoch here, you know, so it was, quote, taken out. We, we can at least go from, we, can, we have a starting point to move on from. Right, right, exactly. Shrey, where are you at on this? Yeah. Anything you know of taken out? Like no. You're gonna, right, right. What about lost? You found them? <laughs> Once was lost, lost but now they're found. <laughs> you found them lost books? That, that, you guys <laughs> brought up a good point. You guys brought up a good point about I like the way you guys put it, um, with it not being taken out. Um, so how can you take out something that was, I don't want to say that wasn't in there, but that wasn't in there. <laughs> um, but no, be, this is, oh, go ahead. I, I was about to say, this is you guys, Lane. Uh, I <laughs> have not, uh, the canonizations and the, uh, everything you guys talk about with the, the exegesis, eisegesis, <laughs> all this other stuff. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm just uh I'm learning like they are mm -hmm. in that sense, like the viewers are. So I think you bring something valuable though, because you've read the books, you know, many Yeah, that's all I reference. can bring is what's in it. Like, you know, <laughs> and if it, it if it validates uh biblically, if it backs up anything, if it contradicts anything uh biblically. You know, but um, you guys are on it as far as the uh, the validity. Well, I, I guess I can do that too, but more so, you know, the canonization and all the other stuff that I mentioned that you guys cross-reference and all that other stuff. So I know my lane. I'm staying in my lane. <laughs> I don't want to confuse no one. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Um, one thing I did want to... Uh... I want to pull up. What do you guys think from your own personal reading? Inspired or not, most beneficial for a Christian to read and have knowledge of alongside the Bible? Are you talk about one? Yeah. Rephrase, rephrase if you had to again. pick one, if you had to oh, pick God, one man. book Come outside on, the man. Bible on, that is most beneficial for a Christian to read alongside beneficial. the Bible, it's A, it's fun. This is this is what nerds do for fun. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, man. Ah, uh, I guess it depends on what they're trying to get from it. Then I can refer to which one will give you that. So I don't know. But like generally speaking, if I let's say I had to add a book to the scriptures, you know, if there was one that I could that I would say, yeah, I think I know my answer. I would say, uh, I know you're gonna say, I'd say a Barnabas. Okay. 
Sure. The epistle, not the gospel. Right. Right. That's that's important to note. Mm-hmm. What do you think? See, I, was I have say, a. Right? I don't. I... Sorry, Manessa. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it, Keith? It's Barnabas. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot there. Terry lot asked me. There. Terry it's asked good. me. Um, one day I was leaving the studio. Um, asked me what what book in the Bible you know do I think is uh, most important for a Christian? Like, what do you recommend? Like, this is a, the most important book for a Christian to read. Mm-hmm. It's like that's hard because like, a you're a Christian, right? So, I mean, the gospels are important. I'm not discrediting them, but you've already heard the gospel and believed it, you know, so I'm not going to point you back <laughs> to the gospel point. necessarily. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, as far as understanding your faith and where to go from here, I was like, Hebrews, yep. because I think it does everything. It tells, it explains the gospel um, and it explains the gospel in light of the Old Testament. You know, this is, this is a covenant for Israel that was promised to Israel, that was fulfilled to Israel, that Gentiles were included into. But this is this is their story. This is their story, their relationship with God, that we were privileged to sit at the table with the king that mm-hmm. invited us later, you know, because his own children didn't have time to come eat or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's just like, but that explains the old and the new and, and it, the shadows, mm-hmm. the foretelling. And it's like, man, if you don't understand Hebrews, I, I, I venture to guess that you really don't know your faith. You know, you really don't have an idea. You don't know what to do with Old Testament scripture. You don't know how it applies and why. Well, that's in the old. It didn't come (laughs) forward in the new and all this stuff. And it's like, no, Hebrews explains all that. And then Mm -hmm. so secondarily, I would say that Hebrews are uh, the epistle Epistle. of Barnabas Mm -hmm. is is a good tag team with Hebrews, coinciding with Hebrews um, to do the same thing, more of the same, you know, it's. It's good stuff in there, man. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm like, like what you said about Manessa, like I read Barnabas and I'm like, yes. yo, <laughs> I said, yes. I don't care what nobody say. This, yeah. this is, this is the stuff. Like, <laughs> this is doctrine, <laughs> you know? Right. So anyway, but Sheree. I was hoping you forgot. Uh, <laughs> I think I might be biased uh, because. Jubilee. No, actually, oh, okay. no. Nah. <laughs> actually, right. I'm actually. Uh, there's some things in Jubilee that make me. Uh, that actually make me wonder, mm-hmm. like you know I me mean, about that uh, certain things. Um, but I'm biased because I've always been an OT fan. Uh, I like history, so I. Better go with Joshua, but let me explain myself. <laughs> I knew it was one of them. I knew it was one of them. I thought, I thought Joshua. I thought it was Joshua, but uh, you know. Uh, only because uh, there's a lot in there. Again, I like history. So I like the fact that it it's fills exhaustive. in blanks. It is. It fills in blanks um, to things that just seems like things in the old testament came out of nowhere mm-hmm. like what like you know what i mean so it fills in blanks so, you know so i like that um so like i like 100 chapters of 130 verses each <laughs> yeah God. yeah yeah it's extreme um i like that it shows it it shows god's power like you know what i mean um it also shows incredible faith um, it also shows what we up against because it also reveals Satan's power and the things that he's done or can do or capable of doing. Um, 
uh, it explains a lot when it talks about principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness. Or how it goes, you understand. So when it talks about things about like uh, what was put to to block Eden, um, things in the Bible that talks about these gods they worship, like Ashtaroth. When we get things now like Hinduism and all that stuff, where they worship all those weird gods with eight arms and mm-hmm. trunks and nose and stuff, like all that, like I can trace it all back to this to this book and explains it like the origins of like almost everything so again i'm biased because i like history so uh, for me that's why i would say but if it's most beneficial to a christian if you like history it also validates almost everything like (laughs) in the old testament and i feel like if it can validate that um and the old testament is like a prelude to the new kind of just works for me so joshua ain't touching barnabas <laughs> i just want to put that out there i just want to put that out there i would not disagree i would not disagree with that i won't for the record i would disagree either <laughs> just for the record um no nah, barnabas has some good stuff so a lot of good stuff oh oh sorry i just ahead. thought about one uh uh god i can't remember the name of the book but where the is it the not patriarchs or is it patriarchs where all the good. where all the the brothers yeah like they're, they're revealing to the the seeds like you know their oh, generations yes. those that was those are good too that was the patriarchs I was right okay so yeah. yeah yeah those I like I think those are beneficial there's a lot of lessons in those like you could just use in your life like you know what I mean and hearing kind of their side of the stories and stuff again i like history so it kind of fills in some blanks for me but um the lessons are dope like the stuff they learn in their long lives revelations and stuff so I, yeah i think i like those oh yeah there was a few passages and um in in the patriarchs that i thought was doctrinally heavy uh like foretelling you know prophecy mm-hmm. and um I also like, you know, in the copy that Ken Johnson put together, uh, I like his not like commentary at the end. It gave a lot of context for things. And, and, um, I do like that. Um, it's there also the, I was, I was going to bring up Dead Sea Scrolls, but Patriarchs is found, at least some of it is found in Dead Sea Scrolls. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's the, you know, the thing to consider is we got to be careful, right? We just throw stuff around, not us, but you know, people that, do read or enjoy reading some of these books or you know we'll make arguments for enoch or we'll make arguments for patriarchs or whatever say what's well, in the dead sea scrolls well it's not like that exact copies there the dead sea scrolls <laughs> is fragments of pieces of paper yes you know mm-hmm. so it it what it, it does offer something you know but it doesn't uh give an indisputable you know uh validity to something either you know it it, it offers again, a point of reference that someone wrote this around that time, you know, and most likely was copying, most likely, you know, believed in, but there's a lot of, you know, pseudepigrapha, you know, which is, um, you know, another 50 cent word or whatever, but um, unknown or uh, unknown author, you know, we don't know who wrote it or it's considered spurious and flaky, you know what I mean? Like that in the Bible though, like as far as not knowing who wrote it, we got uh, the, quote, books of Moses, and one of them accounts 
Moses is talking about stuff after he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean? Yeah. There, there's, there's some things that, and I don't know, I don't know that I'm, I'm, I'm quite equipped for that at the moment, but um, cause a lot of these things, there's so much that it's like, you gotta, for me, I have to circle back and say, wait a minute, you know, these are things I've, I've looked into uh, studied to an extent and it's like, all right, but it's not fresh on my mind. It's on somewhere in the back burner. You know, I don't, I don't have the best memory, but um, I believe a lot of that is believed to have been uh, uh, interpolation, you know, uh, or amendments, you know, like an amendment made after his death to conclude his writings, but not necessarily discrediting, you know, yeah. there, there, there are, I think there are some issues with verbiage, you know, words that are used that didn't exist then, you know, wasn't called that then. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's enough to raise an eyebrow. Definitely. There's enough to raise an eyebrow, but there might be some scholastically uh, valid, you know, reasons uh, for different things. But um, I thought you were going to say Hebrews, you know, because no one knows who the author of Hebrews is. Um, you know, some say Paul, some say definitely not Paul, but yeah, I, I think Barnabas. I, I would say definitely not Paul, but quite possibly Barnabas, you know, because mm -hmm. It's like the I said, it pairs, right. The content, you know, mm -hmm. is like, yeah. You now why there'd be two different ones. Well, Paul wrote different letters to different people. You know, Peter wrote more than one letter, you know, James, uh, James wrote one, but, um, I'm trying to think of examples, but anyway, um, yeah, but I, it kind of brings me to, I guess my final point or thing I'll share with, um, canonization. Let me bring it up here. It's just so people are vaguely familiar that that weren't necessarily um, is there is a criteria, you know, it's not like people just picking and choosing what they like. Uh, I don't think, um, you know, there was mainly four terms or criteria, you know, for something to be included and it's of apostolic origin An apostle wrote it and you got to realize that the apostolic authority, you know, is someone that was taught directly this is why I'm not sure about apostles existing today. Because it implies the word means sent forth and it implies someone sent forth directly from the mm -hmm. Lord. So they witnessed his life and, or I guess Paul's the only exception that he did say that he spent three yeah. years in the desert with such a one that was caught up to the third heaven. And if you put together, I'm, I'm, I'm piecemealing, you know, different, different writings of his, um, but he claimed to have been taught by him face, face to face. And then when he met with the elders in Jerusalem, he wanted to confirm mm -hmm. that we were taught the same thing by the same Lord, you know? So anyway, apostolic authority or apostolic origin, you know, because they witnessed it firsthand, they were taught firsthand. They're a firsthand eyewitness, um, attributed to, and, or based on, the preaching teaching of the first generation apostles or their closest companion, uh, uh, companies, companions, mm -hmm. companies, uh, were Barnabas, you know, yep. um, this he is why, Paul, <laughs> yes. And, um, this is why I think Hebrews was accepted. Not that we have to, we're going to cover that exhaustively, but because you, you read it and you know that the person, you know, reading it, this is this is someone in company with the apostle you know what i mean this is this is so much in line with the teaching of of paul and um and i know there's other reasons but um my case for barnabas you know what i mean um not just because because it's named barnabas but because of the content in it mm -hmm. this would have been the message that they were walking around teaching and preaching namely to jews to understand the covenant that was uh prophesy in um 
Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah, right? I'll make a new covenant with my people. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's come, <laughs> you know. Uh, so anyway, universal acceptance acknowledged by all major Christian communities, you know, by the end of the fourth century. I'm not too sure about this one, but <laughs> I understand that we want a consensus. Like, do we all agree on this? And that's, I think, the comfort that the canon offers, that the 66 or whatever you want to call it, um, Bibles offer is that at, at least from that point, by the end of the fourth century, whatever that means, you know, no one disputes these. No one has any issue, you know, by and large, the Christian community knows that these things are valid scriptures. Don't have a problem with that. There's, there's no huge arguments of, wait a minute, this one isn't this, this one isn't that, you know, um, liturgic yeah, use. I really is, with that one. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think a lot happens in four centuries. Um, that's true. Um, I think if you know, four centuries ago for us was somewhere around the Reformation, you know, give or take. Um, it was, it was a little bit after it, but you know, so if we're looking at the works or or the Enlightenment, you know, or the founding of this country and and you know, things that were or the, excuse, the settlement of this country. You know, we're close enough to them. Um, we're closer to them than, say, someone reading about them 2,000 years from now, 1,500 mm-hmm. years from now, that we have a pretty good gauge on it. But you're right. Some things could have changed. Uh, history could have century, changed. What you said is we see a lot of debate and where things that, you know, that even are included now were by some actual Christians, you know, Christian communities. Were considered questionable you know vice versa uh, some things that aren't included that were considered um wholesome and inspired so when we get to the fourth century it's like all right well by this time you quote not worked out the kinks but whatever you decided around the third century has become so well established or accepted that now it's okay, well, is it accepted by the majority of people now, even though in the first two centuries, there may have been, you know, with the people who were closer to him, mm-hmm. there may have been writings that were more accepted, you know, or less accepted. Uh, but nonetheless, that's, that goes in something. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's a good point. Um, would you say that, would you say that the, the issue that they may, that may create uh, or that exists, whatever that, I don't know how to word it, but I think that what that, what that must mean to me is, is not necessarily that the things included in canon are questionable, but just that the things that weren't included, they thought questionable. You know, does that make sense? Um, like, I don't think it brings the things included into question. I think the question is just like, all right, so they didn't accept Barnabas, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't they? You know, yeah. that, that's, that's an issue yeah. that, that, that this, this universal acceptance by the fourth century you know, brings, but it doesn't necessarily bring in what's included in the 66 in question. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree. Okay, got you. That's that, I think that's what, I don't, I don't want to say what I was saying or what, what um, what I thought about that was, was there is at least uniformity, uh, uniform trust with the 66. 
That's mm-hmm. a good thing, you know, but I think the question we have or the issue with that that you're pointing out definitely brings into question like, well, why did, what was the criteria? Why did they exclude, you know, Shepherd or Hermes, you know, or, or uh, you know, Epistle of Barnabas or whatever. Um, that brings those into question, you know, for or against, but um, liturgical use, I, I don't know. That's like public worship, you know, like mm-hmm. what was known to be done amongst Christians and what wasn't, what was common practice, what was common religious teaching and views and practices. Um, you know, for instance, if a book had some weird meditating, you know, or something, you know what I mean? It's like, well, we don't do that. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe that's a bad example, but um, yeah, liturgic just means, you know, public worship, you know, your religious practice um and consistent message and i think that's important is like yeah. is this congruent with equal mm-hmm. to what the apostles said what mm-hmm. they taught what we what, what tradition we got from them um so i think first and second are most important to me you know the apostolic origin attributed to or based on the preaching and teaching of a first generation apostle mm-hmm. and then is the message consistent and that's what makes me say Let's talk about Barnabas. <laughs> so, yeah. so I don't, I just wanted to, well, just in case people weren't familiar with it and just say, look, there, there's a, there's a reason for those processes though. You know, there's, there is a criteria. I don't think it's, um, oh, they took them out. Like there's, I don't think, I know people make cases, you know, for why people are against Enoch and, um, you know, I get that, you know, Tortillian gave a reason for why the Jews were against it. The logic was a little flawed to me. But, um, but nonetheless, you just need to be familiar that, like we said, there's a lot of comments that we hear that kind of show that someone's a novice, that you really don't, you know, you don't understand this the way you think you do, or, or you need to look further into this. And, 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 um, so just being familiar with the canonization criteria might let you know that yeah well i guess that's important and i can see why that's important i don't necessarily agree but i can see why that's important but it's not just you know i don't know man and, and if they did that like it wasn't a holy ghost inspired like let's listen to the spirit like you said <laughs> set up set up paul you know the prophets and, and teachers fasted and said set up paul uh set apart paul and barnabas mm-hmm. and just listening to the spirit okay gospels four gospels include four gospels exclude the rest we need X. We need this. Did the, did the spirit say that? Then, then, all right. Of course, we're going to hope we're being led by the Holy Spirit. But that wasn't commissioned by the Holy Spirit. It was commissioned by your own criteria, which is reasonable. So how come we can't have a reasonable criteria now and say, especially since the collection and finding of Dead Sea Scrolls and things and mm-hmm. other, not just Dead Sea Scrolls, but other ancient, you know, parchments and papers and things that were found. Let's, let's continue. Let's continue to consider, you know, anyway, but I like that. What, uh, what do you think is the, um, what you read or would consider, but probably have the least faith or trust in, like it doesn't rank super high. Like you put to, you put Barnabas up there. So you put Joshua up there, but anything that's like, yeah, reasonable. We should consider, but I'm not, not really sure. Mm. He said, "Man, I'm reading all." <laughs> Honestly, I think that's where, and it may be because of my ignorance, 
like not having thoroughly read through it and not having read it in a while. Um, I would I would personally say Jubilees. Uh, there are certain areas where it's like, yeah, I, I rock with that. I think that's that's good, you know, like Massima. Um, that sounds like a character from E-Man or something. <laughs> Massima. Yeah. For those that don't know, it's a it's basically a, a reference or a title, a, a title um, that will say the Satan character mm-hmm. that we know yeah. uh, was referred to in Jubilees in a couple passages. So you know, between that, um, his dialogue with the Lord, you know, and not binding up all the angels that sin, but rather leaving a certain amount, you know, or demons to him. Um, but then there were other, I, I can't remember exactly which passage there were. There are other passages I'm like, I don't know about this. Um, so for that one, I think out of all the extra biblical books, I think it's one that I would rec- that I would still say has some good stuff in it that is that is edifying that that should be considered. But I'm not, I don't put it as high as even you know the prayer of Manassas. Outside of Jubilee, uh, well, I already said that earlier. That that's that gives me a couple of hiccups. Like I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, um, everything else I read, I kind of feel like, no, that's just not it. No. So I'll just say uh, that one for sure. Like, like, when we talk about Enoch and we start getting into, what was that, where the Metatron and stuff starts kicking in later yeah. on? Yeah. I'm just like, okay, now y'all have made him a Decepticon. Yeah, I'm done with this. Uh, like, yeah, you know. Enoch. Yeah, I think it's later. I don't think it's in the first book, Enoch, but it's like, it might be third Enoch. I think you're right. It is there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's why I'm just like, yeah, I think we went too far because now he's a Decepticon. Yeah. And I don't think we mentioned that, you know, the, the, I don't know if we've talked about it before, but you have to distinguish there's the first book of Enoch, mm-hmm. which is more aligned with the Ethiopian version. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I just say more aligned because there could be some variations, you know, um, the second, which is Slavonic. I think I can't remember what the third. Trace. <laughs> it seems to be their ranked best okay. to worst you know um yeah. but there's first second and third and I don't as you second for real right i don't either yeah i'm familiar with it i have read through mm-hmm. it but i don't read from it matter of fact after the first couple chapters in first enoch i'm iffy i'll, I'll take a look <laughs> yeah. but first enoch yeah. was a composition as well and so the first chapters are where you get a lot of what we know is in the bible you know, mm-hmm. it lines up with the Bible or it's there's a reference. And we'll, we'll get to that in part two. You know, the Jude quote, uh, 10 thousands of the saints and stuff. But um, I think that's where the, the the fragments, the actual fragments we have of Enoch actually end too. Like in the first couple of chapters, it's not like we don't find the whole. The second, the second composite, there's none. And I forget the chapters. It might be like one through 10. And that's like the first part of the composition. There's like five, seems to be five parts from what I've read. Um, the middle, the ne- the second one, there's no fragments for that. Hmm. And then I think later on, the third, fourth, and the fifth, there's some references. So it's a little bit spotty here and there, which mm-hmm. I think is good. You know, I, I think all in all, I think that's a good thing. Because again, let me, let me just, uh, we, we, we need to get into this with inerrancy and stuff, but just real quick to contrast, you know, why it's good to have variation, why it's good to have bits and bits and pieces, not uniformity, not perfection. Because, you know, for, to contrast, Islam has perfection in their holy book. 
but they have it through tyranny. The Quran mm-hmm. is only allowed to have one translation and say one thing. Yep. So Even it didn't matter what a lot of variation. Right. And how how do how does uniformity and consensus normally happen by force? And normally that's from political having some glitches on my side, my headphones. Um, through political force or otherwise, but um, you know, ours it wasn't that. It was it was by reason. It was manuscript evidence, you know, textual criticism. You know, they're they're actually looking at the text and saying, Well, okay, here's what we have here. We have, I forget what it is. At last count, almost 6,000, maybe more now, but 6,000 um, known Greek manuscripts, you know, through, through the first uh, uh, millennia, basically. Um, they need to be considered, and some are fragments, and some are, are complete books. Very rare is it a complete book. It's pages or a fragment mm-hmm. of a page, but they're things that you would consider if you had access to them. You would look at, all right, what does this say? And you compare it with this, and what evidence do we have for this? And then you get into... Um, Constantine's Simonides, mm-hmm. you know, in that story where basically it was talking about the dating of a book and you have an expert that will come by and say, no, the dating is off. This is, they say it's a fourth century book when according to, you know, my expertise, I would date this 15th century at best, you know, whatever, you know, um, there's a lot of different things that go into this. So if you just have uniformity, that's like, hold on. No, that's agreed upon lie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to remember telephone game it seems like a bad thing but that's what oral tradition would give you and that's even what to some extent written tradition would give you variances if there's no variances you should not trust that process mm-hmm. even that's with um like the compilation um i mentioned earlier the wisdom of serge you know the or or jesus son of mm-hmm. jesus um in the prologue he states that not only does he did he take it upon himself to compile the books but to also translate them being you know someone who could do so and he was saying how it's no small task because there are there are words in the Hebrew which cannot sufficiently be transferred over to the Greek. You know, right. and you mentioned it before, like the, the phrase uh raining cats and dogs, you know, any yeah, idioms, idioms right that yeah, yeah. can't properly be transferred over. You and know, so uh, understood variation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you translate it word for word, you lose you lose context, you lose uh meaning, mm-hmm. understanding. Um he was saying yeah. the same words in Greek or in the Hebrew don't have the same force of meaning yeah. in the Greek. Right. And it, it, it's that way. And that's just from Hebrew to Greek, let alone, you know, to Latin and to English. So there will be variants. Right. And then there's somewhere, um, I think it's uh, First Timothy 3.16, uh, for great is the mystery of godliness. Mm-hmm. It's first three, second Timothy 316 is all scriptures given by inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, first Timothy 316 is without um, controversy, without yeah, for without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. For Christ was manifest in flesh, right? For God, excuse me, for God was manifest in flesh, and they make it Christ, they make it He which was manifest in flesh, referring to just Jesus. Doesn't say God, it just says He. Well, the word for He and the word for God are very, very similar. So you could make a translational error if there was a smudge on the page, if there was, a, yep. you know, a damage to the page, the next writer could write what he thought he saw. Um, and you got to realize the further you go back, the less copying, the less versions and translations you have, because it started off with stone, right? <laughs> you didn't, then eventually it was animal skins, you know, and even that is an insane process that was, was very rare. 
then you have different parchments and, and papier and you know as things progress then you're not not until um uh, gutenberg in the 1400s made the printing press where you could just mass copy something you know much much faster you know and now we have digital you know you send infinite amounts in a second so the further you go back the more rare it is and the less that's going to exist and and the more difficult it was to keep track of what was being said um it's just it's just not a perfect process to so to go back to the main point uniformity is almost assuredly a lie you know you should not be looking for absolute perfection you shouldn't there should be variances there should be copying errors and different but you should want to see the differences and be able to glean you know from that and to say oh okay i see what must have happened or whatever but it would it would it would take some experts to help help with that uh, but be familiar with it and be okay with that. It's not, it doesn't discredit it. You know, it discredits is if you have this, you know, up on a pedestal, mm -hmm. false concept of what the text is supposed to be. Um, so nonetheless, but. As I um, think many do, as I think many people do. Yeah. Uh, I, most, most Christianity. I mean, it's, it's, it's core Christian doctrine. It's the word of God. <laughs> Wait a minute. We'll deal with that. We'll deal with that. It is not the word of God, man. That, that, that troubles me. It contains it. Yes. It, it yes. contains, and I believe what it contains was originally inspired. Those those prophets spoke spoke or wrote by inspiration. That's another. That's another thing I didn't share. I meant to talking about the the apocrypha. Like there's the, there's the Josephus quote about. I think what is, what's the Jewish list like 16 books or, or 13 books that they have. We have these, but it's because they, they included uh, all the minor prophets together and they included first and second Chronicles as one and first and second Kings is one. And I think Esther and something else was one. I can't remember, um, but it was basically the same 22 or is it 22 or 29? I get the number wrong. Um, is the same, pretty much the same books, but not just that, but you do have a quote from Jesus, which is worth considering you know, when he, when he speaks of the old Testament, he does confirm the books of Moses. So there's a validation for whatever was copied, quoted, and read around that time. He didn't have an issue with that. You know, he does say the things that were written in Moses, in the Psalms and the mm -hmm. prophets. Mm -hmm. And he gives one of the reference that from the time of this till, um, what's that quote, man, I shouldn't have brought it up. I didn't have it. But it's something that occurred, uh, the killing of someone at the temple. Uh, I can't remember that story. Um, God, man, I'm going I'm to I'm find it. Any, any final, I'm going to find that. I'm going to find that quote real fast. <laughs> um, but, I mean, anything you guys want to say to either conclude that? I was just saying that there's some Jesus quotes that kind of give validity to what we call the Old Testament. And he doesn't, doesn't speak for or against anything missing, um, but he does speak to these scriptures. The law of Moses, uh, uh, the Psalms and the prophets. And then he speaks generally to an error that seems to end at about the time of Malachi, you know, about the time of the closing of Ezra's canon. Um, anything you guys want to say as far as lost books, you know, people for and against? I don't know that we talked about um, unbelievers bringing it up. I think we, we were going to do that. Unbelievers criticizing. But, um, but I'm going to find this quote. So I'm going to check out for a minute and find this quote and bring it back to you. I mean, I think what we've addressed thus far um, would 
respond to both the believer and the unbeliever. And I think it would suffice to answer the question of both the believer and the unbeliever. Um, there was one thing that I did want to point out as far as um, in regards to, you know, Sheree has stated earlier questions that people have. And I, I, it's a question I've heard from both the believer and the unbeliever in regards to like uh, who was Cain's wife, you know, because you have this individuals. And it's like, well, where'd that come from? Because all we see is Adam and Eve had two sons. You know, one killed the other and had a third son. So then you have uh, populations of people. It's like, where their where his wife come from? You know, and that's something that we do find in, um, mm -hmm. I believe it was Joshua. Yep. You know, so just to kind of mm -hmm. verify why uh, or to suggest why some of these books, why they're we should look into these other books. Um, and then and by, not sorry, sorry. by not being able to answer that question, that will lead them down some other avenue where they start talking yeah. about Lilith and Lilith yeah. having kids. And that's where these other people came from and all this other stuff. So, you know. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that is a reasonable question. I mean, it's not unreasonable for someone to ask, well, hold on now. How do we have um, tribes and people from three sons? You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's foolish of us as Christians to simply answer for the sake of answering, you know, without actually having a point of reference or to to be able to give a a valid answer, at least for what we can gather. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that's something that's always concerned me, because that's what I see is that is it's an all or nothing approach where the people that do say, you know, want to read and consider other books like Joshua, Enoch or whatever, they seem to go full tilt the other direction. And then they're, they're <laughs> the seed of the serpent and, yep. you know, all these uh, pre preademic, which there, there is some, like you say, some valid kind of scholastic questions for it. But a lot of times they're leaning on extra, extra biblical and spurious, what I would say is spurious mm -hmm. or Gnostic text. Um, to fill in the blanks. And it's like, look, just don't go to those just because they validate that. Can you validate mm -hmm. those texts, regardless of what scripture you need from that to validate mm -hmm. your claim? Can you validate that text as a standalone, uh, uh, literal, uh, literary, excuse me, literary work next to something else? Yes, we have a point of reference that this was, the, no, you, a lot of times you can't. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, you can't, you have no credibility in the text by itself. From, from that generation, from that era, or from someone quoting an apostle referencing or anything like that. You, have, you don't have anything for the text, but you want to believe the text because you wanted that line of that pre-edemic race and Lilith or whatever it was, and you're, or you're just reading anything you get your hands on. And so it is something to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. So I, I did find that quote, um, and I'm not sure you guys let me know, but um, it's when he was slaughtering the uh, Pharisees uh, verbally in Matthew 23. He says, wherefore, behold, I sent unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them ye shall kill. I send unto you. I'm sorry. I send unto you prophets, wise men and scribes. Some of them ye shall kill and crucify. And some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Bariacus, whom ye and slew between the temple and the mm -hmm. altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come to pass upon this generation. 
Um, you killed the prophets and you stoned them, which, which I sent. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've seen it brought up and I thought it was something to consider, but I don't think it has anything to do with canon. And now, now that I've uh, pulled the quote up, um, he just said the blood from this guy to that guy is upon you. Mm-hmm. And it seemed, like I said, it seemed to end uh, um, much earlier, much earlier, you know, but that's, I don't think that has to do with confirming scripture. So let me, let me withdraw that from the table, the apocryphal table. Uh, I've seen it brought up. I've seen it used for that purpose. And I just hadn't uh, checked or considered. It just seemed like something that could be valid. The angels would sin. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's just see where it goes from there. Any follow-up that we get from this, we might have some questions, um, but yeah, we just still a follow-up to this uh, part two and actually dive into some more of these, but for the sake of time, we'll, um, we'll conclude. Um, so yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, there was, there was something else, man. Okay. If you can't remember, you don't need it. All right, man. Well, look, I appreciate y'all. Appreciate you for doing this. Um, anything you think of between now and then, you know, just let me know. We'll bring it back in. Any questions some of the listeners have, um, definitely throw on the table because um, yeah. I'm not infallible. My my, that's a, that's apparent. You know, if you listen to this at all, um, uh, just our best attempt at sharing things that we've come across and what we know and how we perceive it, which in some areas is a little different. I think it's more of the same than it is different, but mm-hmm. um, pretty darn close. But um, so anyway, um, there's the locals community where we'll be sharing some more content. It's they won't be on here, uh, as well as you know charts and other tools and things like that. And that's locals.com uh, or x two and forty two dot locals dot com. Um, and x242.com is our general website for more information. So other than that, thank you.